you are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Braves podcast, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, found in all of your favorite podcast locations, whether that be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio, Blueberry, or a hundred more. You can find the Locked On Braves podcast and all of the other Locked On podcasts, by the way, pretty much wherever you care to look. Locked On Podcast Network bringing you your favorite teams, coverage of your favorite teams every day, Monday through Friday, keeping you abreast of everything you need to know about your favorite sports team. The Locked On Podcast Network can also be found on Himalaya. Subscribe and you can find out whenever a new show drops to all of your favorite teams, not just baseball. NFL, hockey, I'm sure will be coming soon, basketball, whatever it is, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered. So for the Locked On Braves today, first things first, Braves get another win last night. They win 4-2. to two. Uh, Max Freed gets his 10th win, but it is not without a darker side as Max Freed is forced to leave the game after the fifth inning with a blister issue. Now, just listening after the game, uh, just from the post game, it sounded like it was a preventative measure, measure more than a full-blown blister which would be a good thing because Max has struggled with blisters in the past. In fact, 2016 was almost a lost season because of blisters. Uh, that seems to be something that Max is always going to deal with, particularly with that high spin curveball. Uh, that friction across the seam is, is more tend to tear up his fingers. Hopefully, now he did get put on the 10-day IL today to make room for Bryce Wilson, who will be starting tonight. Uh, so hopefully he just misses one start. If it, if it is more preventative and he could have actually gone on Saturday – then it actually can be a smart move to get him some rest. Uh, I know they're worried about the workload with Max, wanting to keep him fresh. And should he only be on for the requisite 10 days, he'll only miss one start. The Braves aren't going to need a fifth starter um, for the second set, so he'll only miss one game. It would be a good way to get him some some more rest coming off the All-Star break and to try to keep him fresh a little bit longer and kind of give that finger a little bit of extra time to heal. And it's a shame because last night, that was as good as I've seen Max uh, Max look stuff-wise in a long time. His curveball had that really sharp late spin action that would cause it to drop off the table. Uh, his fastball was moving really, really well. Didn't really see him throwing at 97, 98 miles an hour, but uh, he was much more in control throwing 93, 94, 95. And the slider had a lot of good late movement on it as well. It, was, it looked like it was going to be a good night for Max. Uh, unfortunately cut short, but he does get his 10th win, which is kind of a big deal. Max has been looking for that fifth win for, or for that 10th win for what seems like the past month and a half. So for him to get that is a good thing. Hopefully all is well and good with the blister. Luckily for the Braves, they have a plethora of options. And when the offense is working the way it is, it's a big boon. You don't miss it as much. Now, personally, I'm going to be a little bit freaked out until I hear hundred percent that he's okay. But the Braves offense last night does just enough to get the win with Freddie Freeman hitting a three-run homer for the second consecutive night. And Freddie is all sorts of locked in right now. Uh, he's probably not going to win the MVP with the way that guys like Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger are performing this year. But that's no knock on Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman in other seasons has put forth a Herculean effort this year that would have been good for MVP in a number of other seasons. Great to see from the first baseman. 
as I told you before, I'm really expecting to see him get an extension this offseason to uh, add another five years and continue what should be a lifelong Braves team membership. But on to the game tonight. Bryce Wilson will be facing the best the Brewers have to offer in terms of starting pitching in Brandon Woodruff. Um, I mentioned last night that I'm not, you know, he, he's not a guy that generally worries me. I don't think the Brewers really have a great starting pitcher. Woodruff is great with the strikeouts, and he's had some really good numbers this year in particular. Um, he's, he's just not a guy that I consider in that top tier. He's the best they have to offer, and he strikes out a lot of people. I believe it's 125 and like 103 innings and doesn't walk a lot of people. Uh, and he, he handled the Braves pretty well, but I, I, I just I feel like anytime you're matched up with the Brewers starting pitchers, I like the Braves' chances. I think all of them can be had, especially by this offense. Uh, as Ozzy Albies has another three hit night last night, and Ozzy is just ripping the cover off the ball since it seems I believe it's uh, over his last thirty games he's got like a three fifty seven average, absolutely ripping the cover off of it and putting that uh, that struggle that early season struggle behind him. As the Braves look totally locked in, Luke Luke Jackson has a clean ninth inning. I know he scares all of us when he's out there, but worked a great ninth inning through almost exclusively fastballs, which is a nice change. It's just one of those things that you look at and you see the difference between Brian McCann calling a game and Tyler Flowers calling a game. It just seems to go better when McCann's behind the plate. So I, for one, am really hoping that that whole platoon situation ends up going more towards McCann than Flowers because the pitchers, particularly Max and particularly Luke Jackson, just seem to pitch a lot better when McCann is calling the game. It wasn't just Luke, though. Uh, Anthony Swarzak comes back for his first or second outing since uh, since going on the shelf. Looked really good. Looked no worse for wear. Slider was breaking really heavy. He was using his fastball a lot, too, to go to plumb. And Chad Sabatka continues his good work after getting sent down early in the season. And I've said before... And I said on the Platinum Sombrero, Doc and I said before the season, that Chad Sabatka would play a big role in this bullpen. Now, he might not get the back-end looks like we were thinking he might at the beginning of the year, but his emergence and, and being able to come out here and throw strikes again and be a big-time part of this bullpen, don't forget, he's a guy that can go multiple innings. He was a starter for a while in the minors before converting to reliever. So with him, with Newcomb, with Tukey, all in the back end of that bullpen. Those are guys that can all cover two or three innings. Um, Tukey and Newcomb in particular could go more than two. Sabaka's probably tapped out at about two. But this bullpen, which was an Achilles heel early, has shaped up really, really well. And the Braves are a much better team because of it. I don't know how many of you are, I don't know, uh, excited about the prospects of this bullpen in the playoffs. But just going by the numbers right now, they're the best bullpen in the National League and one of the best in all of baseball. So you, I, I can't harp on them too much, although Tomlin gets hammered a little bit. Um, that is a worry always that he would kind of regress back to what he was before this season. Uh, Jerry Blevins is still kind of just floating out there. And those two make an interesting case that we're going to talk about a little bit more in the segment coming up. Um, I want to leave it off there. But for the rest of the Braves, for the key for tonight is to get on Woodruff early. Don't get into the bullpen being down. Now, the Brewers' bullpen hasn't been as good as it was a year ago. I touched on that yesterday. But they still have a plethora of high-impact arms, and that's not even counting Josh Hader, who is one of the elite relievers in baseball. Um, key for Woodruff, get some early runs against him. Put him in some bad spots and run up his pitch count. Get him out of there as, as quickly as possible so they have to turn to one of the, ro- the long relief guys, and the Braves will be in good shape. As for Bryce Wilson... 
story is pretty much the same. Fastball command. Everything he does is off of that fastball. His fastball needs to pound the zone. If he's working 94 to 96, you know it's working good. Uh, and be on top of that slider. Sometimes he, he has a tendency to flatten out with that slider. That's when he gets hurt. When his slider is on, I wouldn't call it a plus pitch, but it's an excellent complement to that fastball. The same thing with his changeup. When his changeup is on and he has the grip right and he's got the arm action right, that changeup is a very, very important pitch for Bryce Wilson, particularly if you're looking for him to go about six innings in a game, which the Braves would like to see him go about six innings. You don't want to have to burn the bullpen again. Um, but I, I've got good hopes for Bryce Wilson. His last time out was pretty good as well. He's looked better uh, than he did early in the season. Now, this new ball kind of changes all AAA numbers and makes everybody kind of look bad. But for the most part, Bryce is giving you what you're expecting to do. So let's go out there and see another good start from Bryce Wilson. Hopefully the Braves can rattle off some quick early runs and get him settled in nice and early, and he can give you about six innings himself as the Braves can look to, to save an inning for the bullpen uh, as they go into tomorrow night's and get ready for a matchup with the Washington Nationals following tomorrow night's game with the Brew Crew. Now, coming up next in the second segment, one of Braves fans' worst nightmares has the potential to come to fruition starting as early this weekend. I am terrified. I don't know where all of you stand, but we'll talk about that coming up next right here on Locked on Braves. Okay, guys, let's talk about sex. Not just any sex. I'm talking about good sex. The kind you used to have back when you ruled the bedroom. Everybody, every man alive wants to have that confidence in the bedroom. And thanks to my friends at BlueChew.com, you can. Blue Chew is the first chewable ED pill with the same FDA active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you can take it with confidence. You can take them anytime, so you can keep that spontaneity alive, and your wife will thank you for it. And guys without ED, this isn't just for men with ED. This is for any guy who's looking to take that next step, who's ready to up their performance in the bedroom. Most guys talk the talk, stand out from the crowd with Blue Chew. And since Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped directly to your door, Blue Chew is cheaper and way less awkward than the other leading brands. Go to BlueChew.com, use the promo code MLB to get your first shipment for free. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, BlueChew.com, promo code MLB to get your first shipment delivered discreetly to your door today. BlueChew.com, skip the awkwardness. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. Before the break, I told you that Braves fans' worst nightmare has a real potential of coming to pass as early as this weekend. I'm talking, of course, of Ender Inciarte, who reports all state that he's looking. He's it's looking like he's going to be activated off of the IL and brought back up to the big league club as soon as this weekend. Um, first, the positives for Ender. Ender is a is still the best defender off. Uh, Outfield-wise on this team, he's still a better defender than Ronald Acuna. He's a better defender than Marquecas. And he's really the only other guy that can play center field and give Acuna a day or two off. So that's good. And if I were confident that he would only be used strictly as a fourth outfielder, as a guy to give Acuna a breather every every few games or so, then I'd be fine with it because I don't think the Braves have another viable option in center field. You can talk about bringing up Adam Duvall. But he's never played center field, and, and just because you're good in a corner doesn't mean you'll be a good defensive center fielder. And Ender already has that underneath him. Ender's already the best defender on the big league club and really the best defender in the system, aside from Christian Pache, who they're not going to burn just to come up as a fourth outfielder, uh, and I don't think they should either. 
my worry comes in because number one, you have to make a big decision about where to put him. Um, Matt Joyce is out of options, so if you DFA Matt Joyce to try to sneak him through waivers, that's not going to happen. Somebody's going to claim him. He's been one of the best bench bats on the team this year, and he's been very, very good in a pinch hitting role, uh, hitting 250 and providing some really good at bats. And 250 for a pinch hitter, by the way, is really good. Culberson has options, but you're not going to send down Charlie. Charlie's the most versatile member of this Braves team, can literally play every position, and does nothing but rake off the bench as well. That's not a guy you want to send down. Theoretically, you could send down Camargo. Um, and that's one of those things that I could see them doing. I really, really hope they don't. If they do, they throw it under the guise of getting him consistent at bats. And that's you know that's a good philosophy because he's just not going to get them up here. Snicker's not going not gonna to let himself do that. But Camargo is still a better player than Ender Inciarte. Um, I know Camargo's been struggling offensively this year, but he is a better offensive player, and he allows you to give everybody else days off because you'd feel better about Camargo starting more games than Culberson or Joyce. The other thing that can happen, what I would prefer to see happen, uh, is DFA Josh Tomlin or Jerry Blevins. Now, Blevins would be the more likely one to get DFA'd because he's been DFA'd already, um, and he's barely getting in any games anymore. Tomlin, I just worry about the regression. It's going to come. He's going to start giving up homers again. You've already kind of seen it happening. He hasn't been as sharp and as crisp as he was in the beginning of the season, and that's not a knock on Tomlin. He pitched out of his mind for, for a long time, up until about that Cleveland series is when he started giving up some bombs again. Uh, and he's done good work this year, but he's not anything special. He's not a guy that that would kill you to replace in the pin because I know he gets used as a long guy, but Tukey can cover that as well. So can uh, so can Sean Newcomb if you need him to. I, I just feel like they could do that. Blevins, obviously, I think is the, is the obvious choice if you want to go to a seven-man bullpen. I would prefer you do that as opposed to losing one of these bench guys. I do not want to lose Joyce. I do not want Charlie going down, and I don't want Camargo going down. I still think there's a very, very big possibility that Camargo is not on this team after the deadline, which would be a shame for me. I do love Johan Camargo, but if he's not going to be used in the role that suits him, he would have more value to another team than he would provide here. And he still has that three-and-a-half war season last year to show what he really can do if he's given starters reps. And I think there's a lot of teams, um, reports coming out that Seattle uh, would be interested in Camargo for Ronas Elias straight up, which I think would be a horrible deal, by the way. Uh, Ronas Elias is okay. He's been closing for them since uh, since they traded Alex Colome and since they traded Edwin Diaz, but he's just, he's, he's not that good. Um, he could fit in this bullpen, sure, and maybe they want to go back to the well with Seattle another time. Um, but I don't think he'd be worth Camargo, certainly. Uh, I think you could do better with Camargo. But I, I don't know what Alex is going to do there. If it were up to me, I would DFA Blevins. He's probably going to pass through waivers again, and you'll still have him in AAA if you ever need to call him up again. Uh, and, and it allows you to keep your bench going, which has been a real strength of this Braves team because you aren't losing a whole heck of a lot when you go to the bench with this Braves team. They're able to continue giving consistent good at-bats, and I would like to continue that because depth is the name of the game. And make no mistakes, it's offensive depth. This is an offensive game now, and this is an offensive team. So... That part I'm not as worried about. Even if they send Camargo down to get consistent at, uh, to get consistent reps, it could still work. Where I have a problem and where I am terrified is if for some reason, and because Austin Riley has been struggling lately, if for whatever reason Snicker decides to platoon Ender and Austin Riley, and if that happens, Riley would be getting the short side of a platoon, and you would massively reduce your offensive capabilities. Even with Austin struggling at this point, 
you still feel comfortable with him turning it around. You still see the swings. You know he's just got to kind of learn to lay off that breaking ball a little bit. But we know what Ender's going to do. Ender is not a good offensive player. He does not need to be starting for this team. This team has been on such a roll since Austin replaced Ender that I do not want to mess with that at all. I don't want to see Ender starting more than Austin Riley, and I'm terrified that it's going to happen. Snit has already shown that he can't help himself from putting Enciarte up in the order, and I don't want anything messing with this team. What makes the Braves so good is that they're so deep lineup-wise that you get to the eighth man, and whether it's Ozzy or what it had been Ozzy, now it's Austin Riley, they've got a real capacity to score out of the eight hole. If you put Ender there, all of a sudden you've got two automatic outs right there, and that that is going to mess with the offensive flow. It's going to mess with Acuna driving people in. It's going to mess with everything. So I am terrified. I'm hoping against hope that it's not going to happen. There's talks about if you play Ender and showcase him for a trade, yeah, whatever. Uh, the problem is if he doesn't play well, then you're going to tank his value. There, there's just a lot to unpack there. As far as who they could be targeting, I know I said I was going to talk about it yesterday. I didn't really get a chance. There's a few guys out there. Um, Zach Wheeler would be a huge add. Now, he had been. It, it looked like he was hurt. Coming out today, it just seems to be arm fatigue. I don't know if that would lower the price on him a little bit. I would love to bring Zach Wheeler back to Atlanta. Uh, I think he's a prime candidate to sign in Atlanta over the winter anyway because he is a free agent. And when right, he is an outstanding pitcher. Great stuff. Works up to upwards of 100 miles an hour. Great breaking balls. His peripherals are outstanding. If you look at the difference between his FIP and his ERA, it's one of the highest in baseball. It just lets you know that the Mets have played terrible defense behind him. His Sierra backs that up too, which is the measure that I prefer to use, uh, which is skill interactive ERA. So it kind of it adjusts for park factors. It adjusts for batted ball profile. Uh, it adjusts for fly ball, ground ball, all that stuff. Sierra kind of handles all of that. And Wheeler's, Wheeler is just an outstanding arm. Now, there's some injury history in his past. I'm sure that that plays a factor as well. Uh, but he's just getting into that prime. So I would love to see that. Another one that I haven't heard anybody talking about. I don't even know if this would even be a realistic option. Um, John Gray from the Rockies, he continues to pique my interest. Now, he's actually pitching pretty well, especially when you consider that he's at Coors Field. He's a guy that has great stuff. I'm talking about high, high-level, pure stuff. Um, high strikeout capabilities, really good off-speed as well. Hard fastball that explodes out of the hand. He's a little bit like Fulty, though. He is a head case. When things go right for him, he looks like a top-10 pitcher in baseball. When things go wrong, he's out of the game in like the third inning, so... I don't know if you could talk the Rockies into trading him. They have a good nucleus and a really good crop of, of young guys who are about ready to contribute with Brendan Rodgers, Ryan McMahon, Colton Welker coming up as well. They've got some pieces, uh, and pitching has been their downfall, but they're kind of getting crushed right now. The past two days have been some of the worst uh, I can remember seeing from the Rockies. They've given up double digits against San Francisco in two straight games. Uh, if you could somehow sell them on maybe even giving them a quantity because there's some guys in the rotation that don't need to be in there right now, I wonder with them tanking and they've got no shot playoff-wise, I wonder if you could get them to sell on John Gray. I would love to see it. I'd like to bring him in here. I think he would do really well. His numbers are kind of skewed. He does better at Coors Field than outside of it, but that also considers that he plays a lot of games in Chase Field as well, which is almost as good a launching pad as Coors Field. Uh, I would like to see John Gray over here. I think he would do very well, and I think the Braves would be a great team for him to be on with a really good defense behind him. Uh, it's not a launching pad to the same rec- uh, to the same length that Coors is. I just think it would be a good fit, and I'd like, I wonder what a package for him would cost. There's a whole lot more names out there. 
Obviously, Matt Boyd is a name that everybody's going to talk about. Uh, guys like Mike Miner, now that Texas seems to be struggling a little bit. Even Lance Lynn with Texas, uh, he's kind of had a resurgence here. He's striking a ton of people out. He's not giving up any runs going deep in games. Lance Lynn is another guy I'd keep an eye on. Um, I, I don't really know. I, I don't want Bumgarner. I've told you that already. I'm not going to go over that for like the eighth time. Just no to Bumgarner. There's a few other guys out there who I think could make good acquisitions as far as bullpen. Hansel Robles is still the guy that I'm wanting the most. But this team just doesn't need a whole lot right now. You want maybe another, you want another starter. You'd like an established back end reliever that could at least kind of quell the worries a little bit uh, and make that bullpen even more locked down. There, there's some stuff like that. But as far as posi- position wise, there's not really anything you're looking to upgrade. I think the Braves are in a great spot. Um, we'll see how they handle the Dodgers because the Dodgers have gone step for step with the Braves right now. But as it stands right now, the Braves are seven and a half up. They don't have a lot of holes offensively or position-wise. they got a ton of young guys coming up and ready to go. They've almost got too many spots, uh, too many players and not enough spots. So I, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling good about the Braves. I'm, I'm excited to see them tonight, 8-10 first pitch. I'm excited to see Bryce Wilson taking on Brandon Woodruff and see if this Braves offense can continue the role that it's on in the march towards October. Thank you guys so much for joining me. We will be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Braves. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.